This is the Annex, a sociology podcast. I'm Joseph Cohen from Queens College in the City University of New York. For more, visit theannexpodcast.com. Did you catch the State of the Union ad- uh, address last night? Or No. No. Not at all. Me either. I mean, I caught it a little bit through the glass darkly that is Twitter, but uh, I didn't watch a second of it myself. Yeah, I mean, I figured that it was just going to be this very, like, scripted thing. He wasn't going to go off message too much, right? And we already knew. I mean, they basically already told us what was going to be in the script. So what was the point in watching? I, I watched a little bit. You know, I, I have to say, like, so he was on script last night, mm-hmm. and it was like a soft-pedaled ethno-nationalism. Uh-huh. And uh, it made me worried that he could find resonance with uh, with more mainstream voters. Apparently it pulled well. Of yeah. course it did, because he wasn't like a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was he, it was much, much more subtle. Could you imagine what uh, his approval rating would be if John Kelly just broke his thumbs? <laughs> Mr. President, you know, our consultant show, this is the only way. Whack, whack. You know? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, in, in any case, it was, uh, it, yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't listen to it closely. I don't have an intelligent take on it. But uh, so we might as well move on. Well, to, uh, you know, I mean, we don't have, I mean, just really quickly. Uh, I mean, listening to him from the very beginning. And I remember when he was running and I remember, you know, in my race, uh, in my race um, and ethnic relations class, you know, asking my students very directly, you know, well, isn't America a white country? Right. Or hasn't it been conceived that way in such for a very, very long time? I mean, Think back to the Immigration Act of 1924, right, which was, Mm. you know, in this moment of panic, right, you know, a certain segment of America, the segment with power, decided that they needed to ensure that, you know, American stock remained a certain kind of white and that that's yeah, a certain, a certain kind, kind of white. white. The issue then wasn't white. The issue was like Anglo-Saxon or, you know, Nordic or whatever term they would have used them. Exactly. And now that, you know, the white club's been opened up, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. now I just need to make sure that it remains white. And, you know, and it, and, and you know, and I was like, as horrible as, as it seems, you know, isn't this in some ways one of the tools that I mean, isn't immigration one of the tools that countries use in order to determine, you know, the complexion, if you will, of, you know, of its of its pop of its population? Okay, so um, since you uh, talked about the white club being opened up, what do you think mm-hmm. of the beige hypothesis, or alternately put, uh, you know, black exceptionalism, that you know, in the long, you know, the the boundary between what counts as, you know, white or, you know, kind of the core of whiteness or whatever shifts over time, Um, you know, to, you know, originally the the kind of, like you were just saying, the kind of core of the notion of what counts as America's uh, ethnic stock would basically be Northwest Europe. Well, it was Protestantism, Mm -hmm. wasn't it? I mean, that's what it was in Canada. Protestantism was a big part of it too, right? Because I mean, the Irish, you know, look just like the English, 
Um, but, you know, they were Catholic and so they were seen as outsiders. So, yeah, it was kind of Protestant mm -hmm. Northwest Europeans. And then over time it broadened to include Eastern Europeans, Southern Europeans, whatever. But, um, you know, what, what do you think of this hypothesis that in the long run we're going to see Latinos uh, and even Asians uh, incorporated into kind of a, not necessarily white, but generally kind of a notion of, you know, a beige class? Well, I think... Uh Mm, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm going to table that for a second, right? Sure. Because so that's one hypothesis. And another we, can't hypothesis, we can't handle it in two minutes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. So that's one hypothesis. But there's another hypothesis that says that, you know, so what we've had for a really long time in America is, you know, white and not white. Right. Like that. Those were the two poles. Right. Um, in terms of who belongs and who doesn't. Right. And that what we're seeing happen now is it transforming from white, non-white binary to black, non-black binary. Right. Mm -hmm. Where everybody who's not black, you know, gets grouped into this one club. Right. Sure. And mm -hmm. all the blacks are left on their own. And I think in some ways, I, I kind of feel like that's sort of like a more radical, a sort of a more radical sort of uh, packaging of this sort of beige hypothesis. Mm -hmm. It's probably, I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me. You know, now Jews are whites. Well, not entirely, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm of Italian ethnicity as well. We used to be non-whites and uh, I th I'm quite confident that Hispanics will be absorbed. So then it asks, like, so what is the role that blacks play in American society? If it's not about whiteness, but it's about blackness, then then like, what's the like, what, how, how is American society at large using black people? Like, what's the what's the functional explanation? Or what's the is there one? Oh, you know, it's like the it's, it's like the scapegoat. <laughs> right or, or whatever you know it's like different societies you know they have this one group and you know they're kind of like I don't know what you want to call them but that's the group against which you know you teach your children you know what that's you don't want to be like that right or you stay away from that group as much as possible right um, you know you need a group to be at the bottom right and you know because we are a society that's so uncomfortable it seems really talking about class so uncomfortable in fact that everyone seems to be middle class um regardless mm -hmm. of what their yeah. income and wealth levels actually are um we talk but for whatever reason we even when we're uncomfortable talking about about race um i feel as though um we're a bit more willing to go there than we are to talk about the realities of class stratification in this country what, uh, man, I wish I could remember the name of it, but I read uh, a few months ago about this French group and in the middle ages, they were like persecuted for no apparent reason. And they were just seen as like, almost like untouchables in India or something like that, where they were seen as just like a part cast and they had to be uh, kept separate from everybody and were just stigmatized. And uh, the, the most absurd part is that like when they went to church, they were only allowed to take communion from the end of a, a like a, a plank, like the, you know, everybody else would get handed the communion, but the priest would put 
you know, the, the communion on a plank and then hand it to them at the end of it so he wouldn't have to touch them, uh, which seems to kind of defeat the purpose of communion. Yeah. But, right. uh, <laughs> but uh, got it. I was just reminded of that uh, because of, you know, Leslie's point about in general, societies very often have like an outsider group against whom the insiders are defined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's not that explicit. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that is part, that's part of the function. Um, I think that, um, I, I think that, I mean, anti-blackness has been a defining characteristic of American society since before America was the United States of America. And, um, and I think that because, you know, you know, over time, there have been these many opportunities for, you know, sort of pushing against that or for trying to remedy that. And we never go, we just have never gone there as a nation. Um, And we've had all of these missed opportunities. And, you know, and so as a result, I think a lot of this anti-Blackness has calcified and, um, and become ingrained in our society, even, you know, in the wake of civil rights legislation and anti-discrimination laws. um, So that, you know, at this point in time, you know, it's kind of baked in, it's baked into our lives um, to such a degree that, it's really, really hard, I think, for most Americans to actually see it and and name it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I found the Wikipedia article on these French people. They were uh-huh. called Cadeaux. And okay. I'm just going to read a few choice passages. Uh, okay. They were not am- allowed to marry non-cagos, enter taverns, hold cabarets, use public fountains, sell food or wine, touch food in the market, work with livestock, or enter a mill. They were allowed to enter a church only by a special door than take communion the way I described. They were compelled to wear a distinctive dress to which in some places was attached the foot of a goose or a duck. What? Oh, man. So pestilential was their touch considered that it was a crime for them to walk the common road barefooted. Huh. Huh. What was your name? How do you spell it? C-A-G-O-T. Cago. Cago. Yeah, apparently they were stigmatized until the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. Well, at least I don't have to enter a room with the body part of a duck. Yeah, <laughs> <So> <laughs> it could be worse. Well, well that, that's that's a glass is half full <laughs> attitude, Leslie. <laughs> You've been listening to the Annex, a sociology podcast. For more information, visit theannexpodcast.com. Music is by Lena Orsa. Our production team included Anika Chowdhury and Liseth Moreno. On behalf of the Annex team, I'm Joe Cohen. Thanks for listening. <laughs>